Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joining today, he's a military veteran author. It's Charles Smith. How are you doing today, Charles? I'm doing great, Alex. Thank you very much for having me on. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Let's see. uh, I'm from Worcester, Massachusetts, or as a lot of the people hearing this would say, Worcester, (laughs) Massachusetts. Um, (laughs) I've had an interesting um, life, like... uh, where do I come from? I come from Worcester, but I've been all over the country. Um, I've lived in Van Horn, Texas, a Navajo reservation in Arizona, and stationed in Colorado. I've been all over the place. Even got to the border of Mexico. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With living in each of those towns, is there something that you feel is special from it that you kind of take to where you are today in a met or a favorite memory from one of those towns? Well, unfortunately, uh, not many favorite memories, um, except for spending time with my dad, uh, in Arizona, I was a minority pretty much. Um, a white kid living on an Indian reservation. And in Texas, the same thing. I was on the border of Mexico. And I um, I actually witnessed my father passing away when when we lived in Van Horn, Texas. But um, yeah, so I don't know if I have a lot of good memories to, per se. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um I I remember going to like Dairy Queen and places like that with my dad a lot. So it's a good memory. Ice cream is always a good memory. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I will say that any of those like sweet treats, definitely as a kid, you're like, oh, can I have that? Oh, can I have that? Anytime you go to shops and stuff. Yep, yep, most definitely. With the passing of your dad, was it hard going through the next stages in your life where maybe you needed that role model or someone to talk to about certain things? Oh, it was excruciating. Um, when I moved back to Massachusetts, my um, my sister told me, and I totally blocked this out, I forgot, but my sister told me, that I didn't talk for six months. I was a mute. I was pretty much in shock from everything that we went through in the past few years. And um, a role model, I had my uncle that raised me. I had my grandfather. I had, but at that time, I, you know, it could have been anyone trying to fill those shoes. And I didn't want it, you know. Mm. I I rebelled against it. And the more they tried, the more I I rebelled. When you were growing up, did you feel more solo or did you have like a group of people? Did you have a close bond with your sister? People that were able to kind of get you out of your shell in a way. Yeah, I, I had um I had a group of friends when I came back to Massachusetts. 
it was funny. One of my best friends in this world, we, uh, we started hanging out after um, he DDT'd me in, in the school uh, yard. Is that the in, headlock going the, backwards? Yep, yep, yep. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget it. Um, yeah, another good friend of ours challenged him. The next person who walks out of the school, you're going to DDT, no matter who it is. And I happen to be the next person walk, walking out of the school. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yep, yep. And now that friend of mine has um, cancer. And mm. he's, yeah, actually me and the other, the other friend are um, thinking of going to see him up in where he lives in Vermont. Yeah. But yeah, they growing up, it was funny. I I forget a lot of my childhood, a lot of it. And a friend of mine was uh, posting pictures on Facebook the other day, and I was smiling like big, genuine smiles. I'm like, wow, I I did that back then. I didn't think I did. <laughs> you know, I, but I, at first I didn't even recognize myself. You know, but. I guess, yeah, just from a lot of blocking out uh, because I've I've had PTSD since I was six years old. Mm-hmm. So I, I blocked a lot of it out. A lot of my childhood. And even now, I, I just found out that I have um, TBI, traumatic brain injury. Oh. Yeah. From a uh, tank explosion that I was in in the military, I know this is jumping far ahead, but um, yeah, in the military, I was in a Bradley that literally blew its top. And my gunner and my BC were blinded for six months and had severe burns on them. And I um, I thought I walked out of it unscathed, but now I'm like 20 years, almost 20 years later, I'm figuring out that I'm still, I still have, I'm still affected by it, I guess I should say. Was the military something that as you're growing up, you always wanted to do, or was there a specific moment that made you want to go in that route? Well, my father was a um, Lieutenant Colonel in the army. Not that we had the military life, we didn't, but um, I always thought about it back then and um i actually tried to get in one time and they didn't let me get in because uh something to do with seeing a psychiatrist when i was younger when my father died which you know was proper care as far as i'm concerned but um going uh back to 93 when i went in the military I was hooked on um, crack cocaine and alcohol, and my aunt that raised me pretty much told me, get out, get a job, and they'll come back, which was tough love at that time. You know, I, I needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. So I went out, and I joined the military, and I told her that I'd, I'd be leaving in a month. So... 
was the environment causing the drugs to be a part of your life? You mentioned how you started going through at the age of six with your dad, even with your dad passing that it kind of started building up and using those drugs was that escape in a way. That's exactly what it was. It was an escape. Um, at that time, I wanted to feel anything other than what I was feeling. You know, and the uh, temporary escape was getting drunk or, or high. Mm-hmm. You know. When you went into the military, was that kind of something to prove to your aunt that I can get clean, I can do something good, and kind of prove to yourself that this is what I need to do to get better? That's a good question. Um, I would say that I was just surviving at that time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't, I didn't think about getting better or anything like that, especially in the early stages of basic training in AIT. You know, I, I, I just, I was just existing. You know, um, I actually remember jumping forward again. Sorry. <laughs> all good. All good. All good. <laughs> but I, I remember my, my uncle that raised me had cancer in 2000. And um, I actually prayed to God that he would take me instead of him. Mm. Because I felt like I didn't have anything to offer. You know, and he, he had kids, he was married, he had a good life. I'm like, I'll go in his place, just, you know. But I guess everything happens for a reason. With military, did you, anything was hard or challenging for you right at the beginning? Was it maybe the understanding the tactics, the athletic part, being mentally prepared, things like that. What was the challenging part at the beginning of your journey? The uh, the physical part was very hard because my, my upper arms were no bigger than my wrist because of all the abuse I did in my body. So... That I was just talking to a client today. I were, um, that's in recovery, new in recovery, and um, we were talking about how he was surprised that I made it through the military, that I, I wow. made it through basic training. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, my my I was skinny as hell. Um, you know, my mind wasn't there right away. So yeah, the whole thing was a big challenge, definitely kind of looking fast forward and kind of looking back where you're saying how you were skinny kind of things are going on. Do you think that might make some people hesitant to join the military if they're not the perfect look and built and that how you were an example of overcoming those odds and challenging yourself? Yeah. I mean, we, we never know what we're capable of until we're, yeah, you know, we have to rise to the challenge. You know, um, I I would say anybody, if they want to join the military, give it a few months to um, get yourself ready. Mm -hmm. Don't just jump into it like I did. 
especially if you're underweight or anything like that, you know, going in as part of your recovery or anything like that. Um, because when I say it almost killed me, I'm not exaggerating. It sounds like a lot of people can relate with the underdog story where they have to prove to themselves that, oh, this ain't going to stop me. Because even I haven't, I wasn't in the military, but even just in sports or in general, it's like, I have to prove to people that I can play a sport. I can do a task and things like that. And to me, it's like, okay, let me show you what I can do. And then I just go and do it. What is something you learned about yourself that you didn't know you had it in you during basic training? Being a survivor. You know, surviving. Um, Going that extra step that I didn't think. A lot of times I wanted to fall on my face and just lay there and let them kick me out. Mm Mm-hmm. But I I kept on going. Is that something you utilize today as anything, as being being a survivor, being survival in any situation now that you face? Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, you got to prove to yourself to yourself more than anybody Mm -hmm. else that you're 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 worth it every day. I mean. My my ten year old son just asked me the other day. He's like, "Is life worth it?" Oh, and I'm like, "What do you, what do you mean?" He's like, "He's like, well, you you live and then you die." And I'm like, "You're missing a big chunk." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're missing a big part in the middle. And I, I told him like, "Daddy, you know, I, I have my books. I'm going to be on podcast. All that's going to be around for probably hundreds of years. Yeah. But, you know, even the, the everyday person, as long as they have someone to remember them, they're never really gone. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you made an impact in your life, in your life, you know, the people around you, then, Yeah. It's definitely worth it. <laughs> no, it's so true. Because yeah, I yeah. think a lot of people don't realize that. They're like, oh, I have to do something big, something that everyone, it's like the important people are your family, friends, people around you that make that impact, be a part of their life, make those memories because looking 30 years from now, you want to look back at those fun times or the things that you did with each other because that's what it's going to keep you going, keep you driving forward to even more memories you're going to make. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like right before COVID, me and my kid took a, a ride to uh, Florida, uh, Legoland, Florida. Okay. We didn't fly. We, my sister lives in Virginia. We took a, one day to get to Virginia, her house, stayed there for a week, and then went to um, Legoland from there and you know that that's a trip that we're both gonna have in in our minds forever yes you know and yeah that that's what makes makes it worth it stuff like that you know and i always tell people too um i'm a suicide survivor too i was a homeless veteran but before i became a homeless veteran i um my grandfather and my uncle died a month apart. 
And that was like losing my father all over again twice. But in a way worse, because then I was like, I just wasted all those years that I could have been, you know, part of that family. You know, because I, 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 I pushed them away every, every chance I had. You know, and, until then, and that, that put me in such a deep, dark depression. I was cutting on myself. I was, um, you know, very, very depressed. And um, one night I tried to take a bottle of sleeping pills. And I, uh, I luckily didn't take enough or whatever, but I'm still here. But I always tell people, my son is 10 years old. I tried to take my life 22 years ago now. You know, you do the math. You know, if I succeeded in that, I wouldn't be here talking to you. Mm-hmm. I would, my son wouldn't be here. You know, my books wouldn't be written. All the hundreds of people that, that I've supported in addiction recovery and PTSD and all that, they wouldn't have had that support. You know, so even if you do get like so depressed that you feel like you want to end it, keep going, push yourself, you know, because you never know what's going to happen. With your military career, when you're getting to the end of it, did you knew that it was going to be time to go to that next stage in your life? Or was there a specific thing that happened that caused you to end it so quickly? I got out on, on good conduct and I got out when I, when I was supposed to, but um, that tank explosion had a uh, impact on me, uh, a negative impact. And um, that was one reason I got out. I just missed my life, you know, because right right before then, I missed one of my, my cousin's uh, big Italian weddings, you know, and I, it, it was just time to move on. Mm-hmm. I just, I kind of wish I planned it better when I did get out, but. Did you feel that coming back from the military lifestyle, that it was hard to adjust? You mentioned about being homeless and did it all come at you quickly where you didn't feel prepared to kind of get into the real world? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I went from uh, being in the military to working at building 19, you know, and I don't know if you guys have that out there. Um, like, like, a Kind of like a Walmart type of thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I did that. And then I did security for a number of years, personal security, that type of thing, and private investigation work. But at first, I, I was very, like, overwhelmed because I didn't plan it out. Yeah, I was just like, I'm out. Now what? <laughs> yeah. You know, pretty much. Yeah. Is there something that you wish you could have done to prepare yourself? Maybe classes, education, skill set, things like that in the military. I know it's a what if statement looking back yeah, yeah. and things like that. 
Well, I, I often think like, what if I stayed in? Yeah. You know, like if I did stay in, would I still be alive? Mm -hmm. Would my kid be alive in some aspect? Like, would I still have a son named Joseph? You know, Um, but I think I should have looked for work beforehand. Mm -hmm. You know, I should have set up like a, um, I had a vehicle that barely made it back to Massachusetts. You know, so I was nowhere near prepared to to leave when I did. With the different jobs that you had, security, private investigating kind of uses the same skills that you learned or had in the military. Were that kind of something that kind of kept that, I still get to feel like I'm in the military, but I'm doing something different. Kind of, you felt at home with those skills that you're able to offer. Yeah, yeah, that made me feel more at home. Um, even the work I do right now, I work for Aware Recovery Care, mm-hmm. and that makes me feel at home because uh, I just love the atmosphere, but I also just love helping people. You know, like that gives me uh, purpose. Like when I was a homeless veteran, I um, opened my eyes when I seen that uh, a lot of veterans were suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was like, you're not alone. You know, this is, it's almost like God put me there. Like, this is an example, man. You're not alone. Get, get your head out of here. You know what? And start helping these people. That's what it felt like. Being this inspiration for other people, was this a calling for you? Like you were meant to do this, meant to help people that are going through the addiction or things that that's struggling for them. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's why I'm here. That's why I went through everything that I went through to help others. With yeah. the career that you mentioned that it kind of feels that it's your calling. Was there anything personally like activities, things like that, that kept you motivated, kept you positive, kind of kept a clear mind that you enjoyed. That I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love working with my clients and stuff like that. I, I love, uh, like I just met a new client today face to face and you know, just sitting there talking to him or I have another client where I play pool for an hour with him. Okay. Yeah. And just sit there and talk. But, um, I would say the reason I got into this line of work, particularly this line of work in addiction is because, um, my mother died of drugs and alcohol Mm. and my, uh, my cousin in 2016, he um, he went missing for six months. And then I, I looked, I used everything I knew in private investigations to find him. And we actually had another private investigator working with, you know, with the family. And um he was found in a wooded area 
off to off one of the main roads. And um, they had to do dental recognition to identify his body. Wow. Yeah. When he was missing for those six months, we thought he might have been like on, you know, you know, alive. But it seems like he was, his body was there for the whole six months. And there was lime around his body. So somebody put him there. Yeah. So initially, I got into working in addiction recovery to find out everything that I could about that lifestyle. And my cousin was well known. So I was hoping to find some information on who put him there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But after working in the field, I, I don't imagine myself in any other place. And after working with a way of recovery care, I, I really don't imagine myself working for another company. I've, I found a home, let's just say. It's great that you have that for you, where every day you get up and you're helping so many people and you feel motivated to do that. I think people have that job or they're searching for that job. Maybe it'll take them a long time or it comes quickly. I know that you have found it because just by you talking about it, you're motivated, you're feeling positive, you're feeling great for the things that you do for other people. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I wake up every morning like, you know, I'm going to see this one today. I'm going to see this one today. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to it. Like today I uh, went to a – I've never gone to AA for myself, although I think that everybody should practice the 12 steps. At least, you know, go over them once in your life. Mm-hmm. But um, I took a, a client to an AA meeting today. And um, I ended up sharing my story. It was weird. The the person that was uh, um, hosting the meeting was looking at me like, you look like someone that's got a story to tell. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay. So I, I, I told my story and everybody applauded me at the end and everything. And it was it was a good feeling, you know. Gave some cards out at the end to people that want to learn more about my um my books and podcasts and everything. Talk about how martial arts plays in your life. Martial arts. Well, I um when I was a homeless veteran, I lived in a town called Gardner, Massachusetts. And I was getting back into good shape and I, I wanted to start running. So I started running down this road and then back. And um, I passed this place called Gardner Martial Arts Academy. And I was like, I got to go in there one time. I got to go in there one time. Finally, I went in. And um, I met a guy who's still a good friend of mine. Uh, his name is Vinny Smith. And, um, yeah, he, he told me a lot about martial arts. Yep. And martial arts really, that was like the extra step that I needed, mm-hmm. you know, like the confidence boost and all that. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Do you feel if you didn't went into that 
martial arts academy at that time do you feel that maybe that confidence would have gotten to you or it maybe would bring you to somewhere else to get that confidence i think everything happens for a reason yep yep um something else probably would have happened you know but i think everything happens for a reason like uh speaking in, in front of people, you know, I don't know how many people are going to hear this, but um, I remember when I first started running uh, PTSD programs at a place called Jeremiah's Inn, I would sit there with my book, you know, teaching them about uh, PTSD like this with my, my head in my book and just reading and looking up every once in a while, you know, and then I, I started an affirmation. I'm confident in everything I do, say, and act upon. Mm-hmm. And I kept on saying it, especially when I was going to be talking in front of people. And eventually, you know, I put the book down and I started walking around and talking to this one personally and talking to that one personally. And that that boosted my confidence too. So repetitiveness, I guess. Yeah, it was... It's funny how things happen. No, I totally agree. I think even if we look back at our times, each step that we take or each each path, there's a reason why our path led us on that journey. And I wouldn't change it because I became a better person with going through those challenges, going through those struggles. So when people think, when people say everything happens for a reason, I am totally for that because you never know what's going to happen on the other side of that obstacle, kind of like an obstacle course. You either pass it or you have to take another path to get through it. Right, exactly. Yeah. I remember um, on one of the podcasts that I was on, uh, the guy asked me if I could take it, if I could change my life. You know, have everything not happen. Like my mother still be here. My father still be here. And not have the life that I have now. Mm-hmm. Would I Would I accept it? And talk about a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I was like, <clears throat> probably not. You know, I, 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 pro- I, I would probably still want to be who I am because I know that who I am helps a lot of people you know, a lot more than I, I feel like I would be kind of selfish mm-hmm. if I, if I said, okay, take the books, take the podcast, take my job, take everything and give me everything back that I lost. I think, I think I'd be selfish if I did that. Before we get into the path with your book, you talked about family is important to you and your son making those memories. Are you able to be open with him about everything that you've gone through or are you trying to be selective of what he knows and things like that? I am very open to what, uh, what he knows. Like um, years ago, he, his... His favorite thing would be, I can't. Oh. Yeah. And I'm like, you have a mother that's a miracle that she's alive because she was born at one pound. 
Um, you have me who's walked the fires of hell pretty much. I didn't put it in that those terms. Mm-hmm. But um I was like, you really don't have any room to say I can't. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, I, I I tell them about about things though, like Last weekend, we were telling them, um, I, I was telling them about uh, how I look at him sometimes and I think about where I was at that at that point in my life. You know, like, he wanted something that I, you know, he just had a birthday. So I'm like, you know what? You've had enough. I, I just spent hundreds of dollars on your birthday and now you want this little thing? Next time. <laughs> and I, I was like, you know what? When, when I was your age, I was in Van Horn, Texas. My dad was struggling for work. I, um, you know, we, me and my dad both had a, a bed that we shared. A full, full-size mattress, no box ring. Our clothes were in cardboard boxes because we couldn't afford a dresser. We had a little TV on a like a um, a food stand, you know, the TV trays. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the list goes on and on. We we were dirt poor. And I'm like, you have everything you want, mm-hmm. and you want more. Enough is enough. You know, you you. Material objects are only material objects. You just, next time, you keep doing good in school and everything, and I'll get it for you next time. But, yeah, so I I do tell him about uh, my life a lot of times. And when he gets older, I'm going to go into the drugs and alcohol and hopefully spare him that. Because I I remember when um, spare him going through that. Because I remember when uh, when my mother died, it was it was a secret. You know, I didn't find out until I was in my thirties how she actually died. And the one thing that peed me off more than anything else, I told my family, I'm like, I went through this, this, and this. And if I knew this, I probably wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm I'm like, yeah, I want to, you know, I I want to tell him everything when he's old enough to understand it. Do you feel that has strengthened your bond with him, where you're able to be? He's able to be open about things to you. You kind of mentioned about the things that he says to you but does that show the bond that you have because you're open to him and he's open to you? No. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think we're, we're our, um, our favorite people on earth, you know, like I'm his and he's mine, you know, like I'm going to be buying a home in a few months. And, um, he was like, where are we going to have a home? I'm like, wherever you are, it's my home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I told him though. I'm like, where you are, I am home. You know, and the home that we get will be, you know, the home when we get wherever we get it. 
talking about your book, you kind of mentioned throughout the interview about the impact that the book has. When was the first time you said, I should write a book? When I was, uh, I have seven books, by the way. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. But um, when I was running my programs, like PTSD and positive thinking, and I even had a self-protection one. And um, I had to make a choice because I wasn't making much money at it. So I had to make a choice on, you know, supporting my kid. So those first three books I put in, or those first three programs I put into books, I made them, I put more information into them and I, I put them out as books on um, Kindle and uh, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then my, my first book that I talk about that I actually sat down and wrote as a book is my fourth book and it's the one on addiction recovery. It's my first book that I actually sat down and wrote as a book, but it's my fourth book in a series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I got a book on um, how to change your life and I got a memoir book and I got a book on um, loss. I, I wrote that one after the first serious wave of COVID hit. Are, are you always trying to come up with new ideas for books? Like, is that something fun for you where you can sit down, write these concepts because there's people out there that maybe they need to know that information. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's one of my favorite, uh, favorite things to do is come up with new stuff. Like um, I wanted to come up with a center and I call it the center for inner strength. Mm-hmm where um, people could come and learn about inner strength, confidence, and hand-to-hand self-protection. And um, that didn't pan out because COVID and a lot of banks weren't giving loans for gym type of places because of COVID. So that's the book that I'm currently working on. Now I, I turn that idea into a book. Yep, and I want to um, I want to work on another memoir because I wrote the first uh, eleven years of my life called Ten Homes in Eleven Years, mm-hmm. where I actually lived in ten homes in eleven years, and um, I want to work on my next like it's like the dark part of my life. Where um, from 11 years old till when I went in the military. You know, and I, I call that Blood on Blood. That's going to be the name of that book. Is there things in that book that maybe pe- friends or family don't know about, but it's ready for you to be able to share it with them or the public? Um, yeah, there's some some things. Like, um, uh, I was molested when I was 15. And for a long time after that, like, I, I didn't date until I was probably 
like in my early 20s. Because of that, I, I didn't like anybody touching me mm-hmm. at all, you know. And um, yeah, I'm going to talk about that. Yeah, and I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, just how you can be, um, how do I say it? You can be so out of tune with yourself and you can be um, so self-centered because of that, even if you don't mean to be, you know, like my, my uncle used to call me Prince, Prince Charles. And, um, and he called me Prince because I, I acted like royalty pretty much, you know, like leave me alone. You're not worth my time, this and that, you know? And so I'm going to talk about that too. So what does the future look like for you? What are you hoping to accomplish in the next few years personally, but also professionally? My boss asked me that last month and I told him I wanted his job. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, at least you're being open about it. (laughs) Yeah, he he laughed. He's like, well, hopefully you'll have it because I'll have another one. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I look at I look at myself as a homeowner, you know. In the next year, um, probably have one or two more books down, out, you know. Um, next few years, my kid will be a teenager, which scares a living daylight. <laughs> <laughs> so that yeah, that, that'll be interesting. <laughs> at least you got time to prepare for it. Right, right. <laughs> uh, how many? Yeah. How many books would you want to write? If you look at your entire writing career, whenever it stops, how many books would you like to have under your belt? It's kind of a fun question. Yeah, it is. Um, probably twenty to thirty. That would be a good amount. Yeah, I know a writer that has like fifty or more. Oh my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> yep, yep. It's like they come out with a new idea every two months, basically. Well, depending on how long their career was writing it. Yeah, she's been writing for a long time, but she um, she actually does all my cover work for my books and editing and all that. But um, she takes different parts of Massachusetts. And kind of makes like a horror story out of it. Oh. Yeah. Or adventure story, or, you know, stuff like that. Really exciting. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to the challenge? Never give up hope in yourself. Now, as bad as things are right now with, um, you know, COVID, mm-hmm. with active shooters, you know, with mass shootings, possible nuclear war going on, everything, you know, the world is going to crap. But um, never give up hope. You know, because you, you can rise above. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't rise to the challenge. And 
you know, don't don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Because I've had people all my life, like when I went through all that when I was a kid, people thought that me and my sister were washed up. They went through so much hell that they can't possibly be anything anymore. Really? Yeah. I proved I proved them wrong. <laughs> you know? Don't let anybody tell you what you can and cannot do. Because you can be the phoenix and come out of the ashes. You know, and rise to the challenge. I love that. I I look at the phoenix as the inner animal mythical creature in all of us because we all go through these challenges, but we rise up and don't let it stop us. And that's what I utilize today. Every single day, anything I'm going through, I just remind myself of that Phoenix that's in all of us. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, uh, I just made a, an ad for today, tonight's, um, show. And I got the, the Phoenix and, you know, rise to the challenge and me like rising out of the fire. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Charles, I want to be on my Facebook. Perfect. Yep. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thank you. I really appreciate that, Alex. And it's great being here. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full-length episode and video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.